Hello everyone you are listening to the podcast in conversation with IPR and competition law we are a podcast based in india and we host competition lawyers ipr attorneys and uh, in legal professionals and advocates throughout the globe who are in the antitrust community or say antitrust economics or intellectual property rights today we will be discussing about serbian competition law regime So the topic of today's discussion is a competition law regime in Serbia and overview and we have with us Ms Maya Dobrić from Serbia. Ms Maya is currently working as an independent advisor at the Serbian Competition Authority that is Commission for Protection of Competition and has worked in the respective practices division of the commission for almost 5 years now. in this capacity she handles cases of restrictive agreements and abuse of dominance and is responsible for developing theories of harm and processing data and evidence in individual cases of competition infringement prior to joining the authority she worked at a commercial law firm providing advice on competition law issues and compliance to the companies in serbia and recently she also specialized in competition law from the king's college london Thank you ma'am for joining today and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me and thank you for the wonderful invitation. Great. So let's start with the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Please tell us about the legislative framework of Serbian competition law. Gladly. Uh but but first a small disclaimer. Um all of the opinions and views expressed here are my own and they do not necessarily reflect those of the competition authority in in Serbia. Right. No. Firstly, um Serbia has been an EU candidate country for about 10 years and Serbian legislation especially when it comes to competition law is slowly being aligned with the EU acquis. Uh, under the stabilization and association agreement which was signed between Serbia and the European communities uh, Serbia undertook to endeavor to ensure that its uh, existing laws and future legislation will gradually be made uh, com- compatible with the uh, with the community acquis and competition law is one of the uh, one of the the key areas that are that are um, in alignment Now the 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 competition rules in Serbia are set in the law on pro, uh, protection of co- of competition and the current law has been enforced since 2009 and amended in 2013. Uh previously this area was governed by the law of the same name from 2005 and it is this law from 2005 that uh, established the Commission for Protection of Competition as an independent authority. Um, in addition, procedure before the uh, the commission is also governed by the law on general ad- administrative procedure, and uh, this um, this means that residual procedural issues that are not explicitly regulated in the competition protection uh, on the law of uh, on competition protection are governed by general administrative framework. Now when it comes to competition enforcement in Serbia it is predominantly and almost exclusively public enforcement which means that all of the the uh, competition complaints and all of the the competition law related uh, infringements are handled by the competition authority whereas private enforcement which is which includes individual action and seeking compensation for damages to the courts 
is still practically non-existent. There is a provision in the law on, on protection of uh, competition that and that enables um, forms of follow-on claims, but this provision has still to see its full effect. And when it comes to um, to the legal framework for for uh, private enforcement, uh, compensation for damages that occur as a result of competition infringements can be sought in civil proceedings be before the competent court once the competition infringement has been determined by the commission. Uh, however, the existence of the infringement decision does not assume that damage has occurred, which um, which means that um, the the occurrence of, of damage has to be approved in judicial proceedings. Okay, thank you so much for giving us insights to the legislative framework and also to the private enforcement scenario. In India also we have a provision, section 53 of Competition Act and private enforcement is not fully applicable or say has been not executed by the uh, by the parties and it's the same maybe because it's also up it's it's there in the appellate tribunal which is uh, where, where the appeal goes to the commission that is national company law appellate tribunal and there the parties may claim compensation and we had a few cases only so maybe in the competition law uh, regimes throughout the world private enforcement have to see the light of the day in a better picture maybe and moving forward, like please tell us about the Commission for Protection of Competition, the role, the objectives, its duties, and the structure. Of course. Um, well, as I as I already mentioned, the Competition Authority is an an, an independent authority. It was established in two thousand and six, and it is independently funded. This means that it, it is not funded through the state budget, but rather financed through the fees. And by fees, I mean the merger clearance fees mostly and the individual exemption fees. Now, when it comes to fines, um, those are the, the uh, monetary values of the measures for the protection of competition. These are not paid to the competition of authority, but are paid to the state budget. Now. Uh, when it comes to the competences of the competition authority, these are mostly general competition law uh, competences. The competition authority handles uh, merger, merger control as a, as a way of, um, of preventive control and also handles uh, cases of, of competition infringements as a uh, corrective view of, uh, as a corrective uh, method of, of control. Um, the Commission for Protection of Competition is not competent to handle uh, consumer protection issues and these are handled by mostly by the Ministry of, of Trade and uh, usually dealt with by independent consumer protection organizations which are very active and uh, during, the, during the, the history of the Competition Authority uh, some of the some of the the cases of competition infringements have um, caught the attention of the competition authority through the action of these consumer protection uh, organizations. Now, um, issues related to unfair competition are also outside of the scope of of the uh, commission's competences, and they are in in the hands of the affected uh, companies who can seek seek uh, legal remedies through through courts. 
when it comes to the structure, and there are two key segments in the competition authority. The first one is the council, and the second one is the technical service. The council consists of five members, uh, the president of the competition of authority and four members, and they're all elected by the national parliament. Uh, the council and the president decide on um, all of the key issues um, that the competition authority handles. Uh, the the president de decides on the um, on uh, merger control in uh, in fa phase one proceedings. The council decides on competition infringements on phase two mergers. Uh, on individual exemptions, on uh, con on conducting market inquiries, uh, the the specific competences of both the the president of the authority and the council are specifically set in the law on protection of competition. The second part is the technical service where I work, and it. It is uh, divided into several departments. We have the merger control department, we have the uh, restrictive practices department, the legal department, uh, which now includes international relations. We have the uh, economic department, which handles economic, uh, economic analysis, both in market uh, uh, inquiries and in, in individual cases. Then we have the General Affairs Department and the Financial Service of the Authority. And uh, whenever, whenever a case is uh, initiated, uh, specific case handlers from the technical, uh, the technical service are appointed for each case. And they are the ones that handle uh, the individual cases, either of uh, of uh, merger filings or on uh, on um, competition infringements. Thank you, thank you so much for your answer. Uh, we also understood about the jurisdiction of the commission and also with respect to the consumer issues and the merger control, and we understood some of its powers. So uh, maybe if you have anything to add on the. A jurisdictional overlap if it has ever occurred or maybe if it occurs or maybe if, if it has been resolved the jurisdictional overlap between other judicial bodies uh, other statutory authorities regulatory bodies in serbia versus the competition commission well um the competences are mostly divided so the the individual sectorial regulators deal with the regulatory issues and the competition authority has jurisdiction over all issues that are related to competition law. And this jurisdiction can be divided um, from a territorial perspective and from a personal perspective. From the ter territorial perspective, the commission has jurisdiction over all acts and practices performed on the ter territory of the Re Republic of Serbia and on all acts and practices uh, performed outside of, of Serbia, but which could which affect or could affect competition on the territory of the Republic of Serbia. Um, there, there used to be um, a slight overlap between the, the central bank of Serbia, which is the, the banking um, regulator, and the competition um, authority, but this was resolved in 2015 when they changed the um, the law on banks. 
because the um, the national the central bank in, in Serbia the national bank used to handle used to give a merger clearance for for banks and used to be uh, primarily in charge with uh, regulating conduct of banks but since this, this uh, provision was was changed the the uh, commission for for protection of competition is um, is the the solely competent authority for any and all competition issues when it comes to Serbia. Um, when it comes to the personal scope of the jurisdiction of the commission, um, the the law sets a very wide notion of undertakings, and it includes um, any uh, natural or legal entities who are engaged in trade, trade of goods and services, either um, directly, indirectly, permanently, temporary, or even on a one-term basis, regardless of, of their legal status, ownership, citizenship, or state affiliation. So practically um, anyone who has ever engaged in, in uh, any form of commercial activity can be an undertaking and is thus governed by, by uh, competition law in Serbia. Um, when it comes to the to the um, to the various instances of um, of uh, control of, of uh, decisions, uh, there are um, there are basically two courts that are in charge of oversight of the commission's decision decisions. Um, the first is the administrative administrative court because the procedural framework of of the competition authority is uh, within the legal framework of administrative procedure and uh, since the decisions of the commission are final and there is no appeal uh, the administrative court handles the uh, judicial re review of these final decisions um, the let's say second instance and final instance um, of uh, judicial review would be the the supreme court which reviews the, the decisions of the administrative court on competition uh, issues, among other things, of course. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for the clarity and also commenting upon the jurisdictional overlaps. Uh, we wish to know what are the financial thresholds for mergers and for mergers reviews in Serbia, and what is the mechanism of the merger control regime? Maybe the procedural aspects of it and the timeline usual timeline which is involved and the factors which may be considered okay um well firstly merger filing in serbia is mandatory provided that the jurisdictional uh the merger filing tre uh, thresholds are met the thresholds are relatively low um, so, in order to fall under the obligation of uh, merger filing, um, the companies uh, that are participating in the merger have to have a total of 10 million euro revenue in Serbia, uh, in addition to 100 million euro worldwide. And if this threshold is met, there is also an uh, is uh, sorry if if this uh, threshold is not met, there is also um, a lower um, a lower uh, threshold which is local and this is um, this the second one is, is based only on the revenue um, in in Serbia um, the 
additional thing to keep in mind when it comes to merger control in Serbia is that uh, Serbia has filing deadlines and these deadlines are very short. There is a 15-day um, deadline to file the, the, to notify the merger. And this, the deadline starts to run from the, the first of the three scenarios. The first one is concluding the agreement. The second one is closing the public bid. And the third one is from acquisition of control. So as soon as one of these three is, um, one of these three actions is taken, the um, not notification deadline starts to run. Um, there's also a procedural, um, a procedural penalty as uh, the um, um, the sorry there's also a procedural penalty to keep in, in mind and uh, this this can be uh, imposed on the undertakings if they fail to submit the notification of the merger within uh, the time frame of the 15 days this penalty is in the amount of 500 euro to uh, 5000 euro per day for each day that the conduct is uh, infringing the filing um, obligation. And there is a cap set by the law that the, the maximum procedural penalty uh, measure can be up to 10% of annual turnover, which means that it, um, it reaches the level of the um, competition infringement fines. Uh, there have also been several proceedings for gun jumping cases. These are cases where the merger has been completed without uh, the necessary clearance in cases where merger clearance was mandatory. Uh, in these situations, the Commission can start uh, ex officio proceedings and it can um, de determine a measure of protection of competition up to 10% uh, of the annual t uh, annual turnover of the companies, which is the same as for competition infringements. And when, when it comes to merger filings and uh, the the technicalities of merger filings, we have um, the short form merger notification and the the long form merger notification. And this is something that that's been enforced from 2016. Uh, before that, there, there, there was uh, just the long-form merger um, no notification, which just means that more data is gathered. There is a longer period of uh, uh, of the uh, a longer time frame for um, the information to be provided. The long-form looks at the previous three years, and the short-form uh, looks at the the previous year. Um, there are also uh, phase one and phase two proceedings um, and the, the long and short form aren't uh, necessarily indicators that the merger will be concluded within phase one or phase two. Um, basically the, 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 long, the long form of merger no notification is used either when the market is um, highly concentrated or when uh, the competition authority hasn't dealt with uh, with that particular market so far. Um, whereas the, the the short form is the the general form and is the the most uh, frequently used form of uh, merger filing. Now um, every merger proceeding starts as a, as a phase one merger, 
the deadline for the competition authority to um, to decide on um, on phase one mergers is uh, 30 days from the um, from the the final uh, the complete uh, merger filings. Um, f- uh, the um, the fa- phase one mergers need to be need to be uh, completed within um, four months of the um, initiation of the of the phase two. So um, there is there is a, a, pr- a presumption in the law that if the merger isn't cleared within 30 days of the um, of the complete no, no, notification, it is presumed to be uh, cleared, to be uh, accepted. And um, if there is no uh, clearance decision or a decision to initiate phase two proceedings within that uh, time frame, so the um, the deadlines for for merger merger clearance are pretty short on. Uh, on both sides, both both on on the on the filing side and on the deciding side, uh, the competition authority handles approximately two or three phase two mergers per year, and um, I think the the statistics are steady, steady. Let's say a hundred, a hundred and twenty, maybe even more uh, phase one mergers per per year. Okay, um, and that's nice. And yes. Yeah, just that. that um, yeah, I've, I've already mentioned that the the phase one mer- mergers are decided by the the president of the authority, and the phase two mergers are decided by the the council. Yes, that's one of the I, main differences. Yeah. Yes, uh, thank you, thank you so much for telling us about the merger regime in India. Also, I, I we think uh, that there are around nine, more than nine hundred mergers and acquisitions and as we say combination which are reviewed by the commission till date and uh, we wish to know more about some provisions of law which are related to competition infringements like uh, just the provisions of law related to anti-competitive agreements or abuse of dominant position or bid rigging etc horizontal agreement vertical agreements maybe some provisions of law which you might feel uh, to share with us of course of course um the law on protection of competition uh, provides for some basic competition infringements and the the legal framework set in the law um is basically a translation of articles 101 and 102 of the tre- treaty on the functioning of the eu so our uh, our uh, legislative framework on restrictive agreements is um, a translation or a, an, an approximate translation of Article one, 101. And the uh, legislative framework on uh, abuse of dominance is uh, an approximate translation of Article 102. And the the law itself doesn't um, doesn't provide for doesn't explain um, the the specific uh, types of uh, competition in, in infringements. When it comes to restrictive agreements, it, it simply says that restrictive agreements include contracts, contractual provisions, explicit or tacit agreements, concerted practices, as well as uh, decisions of associations of undertakings. And then simply lists the the uh, categories of um, 
agreements as set in in article 101 so it it um, it simply lists uh, the um, director in indirect fi uh, fixing of uh, prices, limiting uh, control production markets, uh, sharing sources of supply, applying dissimilar conditions to equivalent transactions, and uh, making and um, um, conditioning con concluding agreements um, with um, supplementary obligations that have no no connection to to the subject matter. Um, when it comes to to the to the legal framework of abusive dominance, it's pretty much the same, except our law uh, gives a slightly wider definition for abuse of uh, of collective dominance, because it it de defines in Article 15, which uh, which deals with with uh, the definition of, of a dominant position, it defines the standard for uh, for several companies holding uh, a collective dominant position. Um, the competition the uh, competition infringements proceedings are initiated by the, the uh, decision of the president. Um, the Commission has various ways of discovering uh, potential competition infringements, whether whether based on publicly available information, whether based on on complaints, um, or uh, in in other ways. And uh, once the legal the legal standard um, of the uh, presumption, um, the the um, the, uh, the legal presumption that a certain conduct is anti-competitive. So one, once that, that legal standard is met, uh, proceedings are initiated uh, ex officio and um, the, the parties to the proceedings are notified. Uh, within the framework of competition infringements, the petition authority has the, uh, the um, authority to conduct dawn raids. And Serbia is one of several jurisdictions where um, a court a court order is not a prerequisite for conducting a dawn raid. So under the existing legal uh, framework, there um, the dawn raids are conducted based on the decision of the president of the authority. And uh, under the existing legal framework, there is no uh, court review of these decisions. And these the, the decisions can be re reviewed within the uh, judicial review of the decision um, on the competition infringement uh, itself. So basically, only only within the, the framework of the review of the final decision the the competition takes. Um, when it comes to other to other provisions that are related to competition infringements. The law and section of uh, competition provides for the option of commitment decisions, um, and these are where where the the companies that are parties to the proceedings um, voluntarily offer to to take certain commitments to uh, remove the the concerns that the competition authority had when they initiated uh, the proceedings. And if these uh, if these commitments are accepted, the competition authority follows 
for the, for a certain legal uh, for a, a certain uh, time frame, the competition authority follows um, how the how the company in question is uh, behaving in accordance with the with the uh, commitments. Um, the commitments, once they are accepted, are binding upon the company, and the company has to um, has to behave in the manner that it uh, offered for um, for the um, for the proceedings to be uh, terminated without finding uh, without uh, without without uh, without finding that there is a competition infringement. Um, unlike the commitment. Pr- procedures um, the law on protection of competition doesn't have mechanisms that would be similar to the settlement procedure in the EU and the um, the settlement procedure means that the the uh, companies that are cartel participants admit to their participation in the cartel and in exchange they receive um, a reduction of the um, of the of the fine but there, there is still uh, uh, there is still an infringement decision. Hopefully, um, when some legislative legislative changes are are, are made, uh, Serbia will will introduce the settlement procedure as, as well because this tool has has proven to be a very effective me- mechanism when it comes to when it comes to EU competition law. Um, there was also a very interesting presumption uh, prior to the 2013 amendments of the competition law. Uh, we had an, an explicit presumption in the law on protection of competition that um, if a company had a 40% market share or a market share above that uh, number, it was presumed to be uh, dominant and the burden of, of proof was on the company to show that uh, it is not dominant regardless of the market share and if the market share was below 40 percent the burden of of, of proof for dominance was on the competition authority and uh, the 2014 the 2013 revisions changed uh, the standards and the standards for establishing dominance are now um uh, could now uh currently consist of several factors, um, including the structure of the market, the market share, actual potential competitors, economic and financial power, degree of vertical integration, um, legal or factual barriers, purchasing power, technological advantages, and uh, the the, um, advantages in accessing and sourcing uh, distribution markets. So currently to to establish that a company has a dominant position, the competition authority has to go through uh, the indicators set in uh, Article 15 of, of the law and can no longer rely on the, the presumption of, uh, of dominance. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for telling about the important provisions of the competition law and the regime and the jurisdiction. And we wish to know about some specific features of Serbian competition law. May, well, firstly, with respect to state aid control. Mm, of course. Um, when it comes to state aid, there is a separate authority for state aid c- control. 
which is newly established and uh, independent and the um, the institutional framework it was modeled on was the same institutional institutional uh, framework that the the, the competition law uh, encompasses and Serbia state aid is controlled in relation to the European Union and state aid control applies to aid, aid that could affect competition on the market and that affects trade um, between Serbia and the EU. Um, now, within the within the the European Union, uh, state aid is the uh, is one of the competences of the U- European Commission, but not the member states. But since uh, Serbia is a uh, can- is a candidate uh, country, um, before um, before it officially joins the EU, um, distribution of aid is controlled by this um, authority. Um, and the the legal regime governing state aid control has largely been aligned with uh, EU rules, and this uh, this area has seen significant Im- improvement in legislative activity over the the past uh, several years. Yes, thank you. And uh, what about the exemptions of the restrictive agreements? Um. Serbia currently has a similar system uh, that the EU used to have before Regulation 1 to 2003 and before the EU moved uh, the EU, b- before EU competition regimes moved to self-assessment under Article 101.3. So in Serbia there are three ways that a restrictive agreement can be ex- exempted from restriction and these are firstly the uh, agreements of minor Im- importance or the uh, the de minimis uh, provision uh, the second one is the uh, block exemption regulations and Serbia has has uh, three of those one uh, one revolves around uh, vertical agreements and two are horizontal and they are the the r d and the uh, spe- the uh, specialization uh, regulations and the third option is the individual ex- uh, exemptions. Now, what, what companies usually do when they make uh, an assessment how their agreements can be exempted is to first try and see if they fit within the agreements of minor importance. And if, if they don't fit within these because of the, of the low uh, market, uh, market share thresholds of these provisions, they can try and fit their agreement within one of the three existing uh, block exemption regulations. And if the second option doesn't apply, uh, the, the companies can file for um, a request, can file a request for individual exemption uh, to the competition authority and uh, have, have, the, the, have their agreement exempted by virtue of the decision of the competition authority. Um, the proceedings are initiated upon request of the parties to the agreement and the, the exemption request itself and the assessment that, that is made within these proceedings is very similar to the assessment under Article 101.3 of the Treaty on the Fun- Functioning of the EU. Uh, the competition authority balances out the uh, restrictions in the agreement 
with the positive effects and the efficiencies that the agreement generates. And if the the positive effects and the efficiencies are higher than the restrictions, then the agreement is uh, individually exempted. And um, most of the most of the agreements that the competition authority exempts uh, in this way are uh, distribution agreements, the selective and, and ex- uh, exclusive distribution, and um, many joint bidding uh, agreements where companies conclude a um, conclude an agreement to. Um, to bid at a tender in the form of a uh, consortium, and um, this is also an, an area where the where the competition authority has uh, issued uh, a large number of uh, guidelines and best uh, pra- practices. Now, um, when the law on general administrative uh, procedure was uh, changed. Um, there was uh, there there were some announcements to the legislative changes of the competition framework in uh, Serbia, and one of these uh, changes that was envisioned was the um, introduction of self-assessment of uh, of uh, in of restrictive uh, uh, agreements. But these uh, these changes are, are, are still in, in the in the pipeline and they're they're still a while away. And in the meantime, the competition authority has been very active in trying to raise awareness of the um, of the uh, existence and importance of uh, restrictive agreements and their uh, exemption from restriction. And hopefully these will uh, these will pave the way to uh, a later um, self-assessment of uh, of agreements. Thank you. Uh, please tell us about the provisions related to public procurement. Um, public pr- procurement is a very important area of uh, the economy in, in Serbia and is a very important area for restrictive agreements. The competition authority has uh, an extensive track record in cases of bid, bid rigging, and when it comes to public procurement, um, the primary focus of the competition authority is resolving bid rigging and collusion between independent bid- bidders. But on the other hand, issues of potential um, corruption or uh, protecting uh, bidders' rights or potential agreements between the uh, the procurer and the uh, the potential bidder are uh, forwarded to the to the competent authority. So when it comes to 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 bid rigging, um, the the competences of the competition authority are limited to. Um, agreements between bidders that are supposed to be independent and compete with each other um, with their agreements to to basically rig the the outcome of the tender um, over the past decade approximately one in five of the competition authorities infringement decisions uh, was related to public procurement and there have been various uh, models of um, of uh, 
the the methods and the ways used by bidders to rig the tenders. Um, we have found evidence of uh, even even um, very complicated schemes to um, to rig the the outcome of the tenders. And uh, when it comes to, to to public procurement, this is um, this is one of the one of the areas where um, there is no there is no excuse uh, for uh, ignorance that the companies are doing something illegal. Um, public procurement has existed in uh, in its own framework. Uh, far longer than the the uh, competition authority has, and uh, rigging public tenders has been uh, criminalized far far longer than uh, than restrictive agreements have been. Um, so that this is really one of the one of the areas where um, uh, where um, rigging rigging uh, public tenders is um, is considered one one of the the harshest forms. Of uh, of competition infringements and is one of the areas where the competition authority is very active. Yes, right. I agree with that with respect to bid rigging and also some horizontal agreements, which also have in India we have Section three three and we have a presumption of appreciable adverse effect on competition that the agreements are uh, negatively impacting the market. Uh, we wish to know about resale price maintenance. Resale price maintenance provisions in your jurisdiction. If there are some interesting cases, or with respect to the provision, how does it deal with the resale price maintenance? Well, re- uh, in addition to bid rigging, uh, RPM is one of the uh, was one of the the key of the competition authority in the previous, let's say, five to seven years. Um, RPM is one of the many forms of vertical agreements and uh, in, the, in the, the, the case law of the competition authority, um, we have found uh, various different forms of uh, RPM from explicit provisions in agreements in the cases of uh, shoes and sportswear, as well as uh, as uh, distribution of electronic cigarettes, we have found agreements on uh, maximum discounts, uh, which are also con- considered to be RPM in the car uh, car repair s- services case, and uh, we have found uh, we have recently found uh, cases of resale price maintenance through setting retail margins and uh, discounts and through the retailers signaling to their uh, suppliers um, that someone else is is uh, getting is giving out a bigger discount to regulate the uh, the prices um, rpm is examined within the general framework of restrictive agreements so there is no there is no um, specific provision in in the law itself but the law do- doesn't uh, doesn't provide for any specific kind of competition inf- inf- infringement. It's um, as I said, it, it's uh, it's simply a translation of uh, Article 101. Um, but uh, the Competition Authority um, considers RPM to be one of the the, the harshest forms of competition uh, infringements, and from 
from what can be seen on the market there is um, there is still a lot of um, I would say unawareness of of companies that RPM uh, is bad and that it should be um, forbidden. So comp- we have seen companies of various uh, shapes and sizes and various industries all strive to have some form of uh, of resale price maintenance, and we are um, we are resolving this this problem case by case. Yes. Uh, thank you for telling us about these provisions. Also, uh, is there any concept of partial abuse of collective dominance in your regime? Um, there is no concept of partial abuse of collective dominance as such, but there is, uh, as I said, a concept of, of collective dominance. And this is where two or more uh, legally independent un- undertaking have a uh, dominant position and the condition is that they are economically linked in such a way uh, that in the relevant market they they jointly act as one participant Um, the the legal standard of collective dominance which was developed in eu case law uh, was implemented in the in uh, serbian legislation what we do have uh, uh, when it comes to partial ab- abuse of collective dominance is um, a very interesting case. And uh, cases of, of collective dominance are gen- generally rare and cases of partial abuse of collective dominance are, are even um, harder to, to, to find and establish. But what we had in, in this case, this was a, this was a, a case of a cross-border money, money transfers between pri- private persons. Um, four companies were, um, were representatives of Western Union. And out of these four companies, two were banks and two were representatives, which then uh, further concluded agreements with banks. And the, what the competition authority found was that these agreements with banks concluded, uh, included uh, exclusivity pr- provisions, provisions of loyalty, provisions on uh, penalties when loyalty was breached, and explicit pr- provisions that uh, the banks were not to provide uh, competing services to the uh, cross-border uh, money services that, that were offered by Western Union. Now, um, the, the case was initiated against the two representatives, uh, so only against two of the four companies that held the collective dominant position. And abuse was determined in relation uh, of, uh, to those two companies. Um, this is also a, a quite an, an interesting case because the uh, out of the, the the four companies that held a collective dominant position, um, they were present on different levels. The uh, the, the the banks were um, directly offering the service, and they were in a direct con- contractual uh, relationship with Western Union, whereas the two re- representatives were basically intermediaries and they were they were uh, vertically up, upstream from the the banks and they concluded agreements with the competitors of the the banks 
um, the competition authority found that these provisions created a barrier for entrance of competitors and uh, fined the, the, the two companies. And this decision was affirmed by the, by the, the courts after judicial review. Right. Thank you so much for telling us about this very interesting concept. Also, some of the rarest cases which we found in India, we do not have the concept of collective dominance, also not of any partial abuse. Lastly, please tell us about the competition compliance and advocacy programs by the commission. Um, when it comes to competition compliance, um, it's not a topic that's explored a lot in, in, in Serbia and there is uh, a high level of unawareness of, uh, of competition rules. And I think that this is, um, this is something that's a, a, a systemic problem. You see, um, competition law isn't isn't a mandatory uh, subject in law schools and there is very limited exposure to com- competition law even for lawyers. Approximately, let's say 40 to 50 from a group of uh, 1500 uh, students who enroll into law school, approximately 40 to 50 will have this as a subject during their their uh, bachelor studies at the faculty of law in Belgrade. Um, and um, I, when, when I was a, a student, I was only the second generation of students that had this uh, that had this this subject uh, in the curriculum, um, and I think this is the, the the cause why why competition law is so overlooked and why compliance and the importance of competition compliance is overlooked in our legal and, and business culture. Um, the experience of the competition authority has shown that a lot of companies infringe competition rules because they are unaware of the provisions and are unaware that conduct uh, could infringe um, could infringe any law. Uh, because of this significant lack of awareness of the competition rules and the do's and don'ts, uh, the competition authority has recently published guidelines on drafting uh, compliance programs. And um, I noticed that the the competition authority in India has uh, has a, a, a similar a similar uh, guideline and similar um, documents available. Right. Yes. And, yeah. And uh, these these guidelines are supposed to help uh, small, sm- well, predominantly small and medium companies in in Serbia to draft. Uh, compliance programs on their own. Uh, the guidelines are a step-by-step guide with key indicators how to detect and, and prevent competition infringements and uh, they point to materials that companies can use in their internal trainings. They point to the decisional practice of the competition authority and they are a starting point for anyone who, who wants to learn about competition law in, in Serbia. The guidelines are available on the Competition Authority website and they have been translated into English. 
so that would be a good um, a good step for anyone who wants to know more about uh, about competition law in in Serbia and especially for companies that are uh, for let's say Indian companies that are considering to enter the Serbian market and would like to know how to how to make their their operations compliant with Serbian competition rules. Um, when it comes to advocacy activities, the competition authority is uh, very active in attempting to raise awareness of competition rules. Representatives of the competition authorities, uh, authority can often be seen at, uh, at uh, seminars, at uh, various, uh, various uh, conferences, at various uh, ed- educational uh, events, uh, either either um, organized by the by the chamber of, of commerce or organized by uh, NGOs or organized by the competition authority itself um, there there is well by now there is there is a, a vast amount of uh, promotional materials videos um, public statements on competition infringements there is um, there is uh, an ongoing attempt to to simplify competition rules for the average uh, consumer for the average reader and to raise uh, the level of awareness uh, the probably the the most influential part of the advocacy activities is the activity of the the well um, the uh, participation of the commission in the legislative process where the the commission provides opinions uh, on provisions of draft laws that uh, that have the potential to tilt the, the playing field and to um, to establish a legal framework that isn't the most beneficial for uh, for competition on the market uh, these opinions are not binding, but uh, the uh, well, even though these op- opinions are not binding, the competition authority has uh, succeeded several times in um, in ensuring that the, the 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 laws that are enacted by the national parliament are uh, the ones who um, who provide for the best options for for the for free competition on the market and maybe one of the best examples of, of this was the uh, uh, the the action of the competition authority when it when it comes to the public u- utilities uh, in Serbia uh, where the the advocacy activities of the competition authority um, ensured that um, that the um, the commercial services provided um, in addition to the public utilities, uh, services are offered under equal conditions to all interested parties. And this has, uh, w- which has previously been one of the one of the key focuses of uh, of the competition authorities' uh, cases when it comes to competition infringements. So by uh, by impacting, sorry, but by by impacting the uh, the le- legislative changes. Um, the commission can solve problems on a wider, on a wider basis, and not just on a case by case, case basis. Yes. Thank you so much for your insights, and it was a great session with you. And uh, I also wish to tell the audience that Miss Maya has participated in several 
working groups for drafting competition regulations and guidelines and is also currently representing the Serbian Competition Authority in the unilateral conduct working group UCWG of the ICN International Competition Network for the year she did it in 2021-2022 and if I'm not wrong currently Competition Commission of India is hosting the meetings with uh, ICN and thank you so much ma'am for your time and for your insights on Serbian competition law regime it will be helpful for the lawyers students and legal professionals and antitrust community throughout the globe as well as of the curious indians who wish to know more about other jurisdictions thank you so much for your time thank you very much for hosting me and this was a, a pleasure thank you ma'am.